Hiring is challenging, and it used to be hard. Multiple job sites, stacks of resumes, a confusing review process. But today, hiring can be easy, and you only have to go to one place to get it done. ZipRecruiter. In fact, go to ZipRecruiter.com slash begin. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, and they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you cannot miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. Right now, listeners here can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash begin. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash B-E-G-I-N. ZipRecruiter.com slash begin. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. This is Jeff Adoten with Believe in Chiefs on the Believe Podcast Network, Kansas City's number one sports podcast network. The only place with a show for every team in KC and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? On this week's show, former Chiefs offensive lineman Joe Valero and I discuss the Chiefs' big win against the New England Patriots. We also preview another big matchup. This one's against the, the, their uh, divisional opponent in the AFC West. The Denver Broncos comes up on Sunday. And Joe had some memorable moments against that team, which we'll get to. Uh, but before that, Joe, I wanted to talk about, so my uncle, who's a regular listener of our show, uh, texted me l- last week. And he goes, I get, get the text, and the text says, I think Joe is two-timing you. Yeah. <laughs> he says yeah. he's on another podcast. I know. You know, somebody hears us talking, and they, they want to hear more of our thoughts. And uh, so it was exciting. Yeah, no, no, def- definitely never two-timing, Jeff. This, this is our deal, man. Don't worry about that. It was, that was just a guest spot. They want a little insight into some offensive line play. Don't, don't worry about it. We're good. <laughs> and jokes aside, I mean, obviously well-deserved with all your great insight, uh, specifically referring to that Patriots game, the big Chiefs win. You really nailed it on two points, Joe, and this is why I think that other people, you're getting all these um, other media opportunities for this kind of analysis. You predicted a touchdown win about about for the margin of the mm-hmm. game, which the Patriots lost 23-16. Mm-hmm. And then a key matchup, uh, you said, was win versus Clark, uh, the defensive end of the Chiefs versus the offensive tackle of the Patriots. And that's, everyone's talking about Breland, on that last play, he made a great play, fourth and mm-hmm. three on the five to deflect the pass to Edelman. But Brady also had to rush the pass because Clark, even though he was uh, fighting an illness, beat Wynn to pressure Brady. Yeah. Had to throw it quickly. Yeah, I was happy to see. I was happy to see Clark making some outside rushes. I, I think when I look back and, and think about the game, and I, I think about what why the Chiefs were so successful, and what Coach Bagnola did that was amazing was he gave. Brady pressure up the middle. You know, I started thinking about when I was just before I was going to watch the game, you know, I was thinking about also, you know, my, my Eagles, of course, were playing on Monday night. And, and I was thinking about when they beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl and what they did differently. And what they did differently in that game is they gave Brady a lot of pressure mm-hmm. up the middle. He, you know, and the more I think about it and the more I look back when Brady has not been successful and when he's not been able to see his receivers, it's when he gets pressure up front. He's there. 
the pressure that comes around the sides doesn't bother him at all. He never really seemed to be phased by that. Mm-hmm. And he actually, in his younger days, I and mean, he's still pretty mobile, but he could step up in the pocket and, and make some moves and scare a few linebackers, you know, with, with his running ability. Cause he can right. run, even though he's a little bit slower. And he, he showed run. that, you know, with that converting that, that big, uh, with he like did. a 20 yard run or so. But what they, what Coach Bagnola did in his game plan was masterful. He was rushing up the middle. So we talked about the matchup between Wynn and Clark, and how Wynn had a little bit of a better body type mm-hmm. uh, to go, you know, to go against Clark and, and some of his the way that he passed rushes, and and that was kind of evidenced, I think, a little bit. I think Wynn did a pretty decent job against you know one of the best pass rushers, even though he was, you know, sick and not feeling well, and his shoulders probably nagging him. But the pressure up the middle was, I think one of the defining factors and the fact that Brady doesn't have Gronk anymore, right? We were double teaming Edelman at every turn. Coach Bagnola was throwing in good mixes of zone versus man defenses in in the secondary. And I don't think Brady really knew what to do. And then you, you, it was compounded exponentially by the fact that he was getting all that pressure up in his face, right? Totally. And not only were they sending blitzes, their best defensive player, who I think is Chris Jones, had a great game, oh, yeah. and he's a defensive tackle bringing pressure up there. Compound that, Brady's not quite as sharp as he was during that Super Bowl win uh, against the Eagles. And his targets, you mentioned Gronk, but his targets beyond that are a little worse, and his offensive line's a little worse. He, they were mm. on the third-string tackle. So just a great job of Spags, like you said, by uh, um, uh, mixing up matchups and uh, using a similar – Scheme, like you said, to what was successful for the yeah. Eagles. Yeah, the chess, the chess match between the coaches was amazing. And I, we, we, we called it, right? We talked about it last week. So, there was going to be some trickery that went on. And there was a the, lot, yeah. The coaches know each other so well, right? So, you know, the Patriots do the flea flicker, totally, you know, burns us. We put Travis Kelsey in the Wildcat, right? He's in, lined up in pistol formation. He's taking direct snaps. What can't that guy do? I yeah. mean, probably he's an amazing chef, too. My God, right. Travis Kelsey is amazing. He can do anything, and I'm and glad they're was using a, him in different He was a Wildcat. You're right. He can do anything. Uh, he was even a Wildcat quarterback for a little bit in college. So, Did you, know, you see that? Kind of, yeah. I saw something online about that where they, they actually showed almost like a side-by-side. You know, and that's, that's, the kind of, that's the lengths that these coaches go to. They're going right. back to guys – high school and college film and seeing where their strengths are. And uh, I thought it was a masterful game of coaching on both sides. Uh, and, and one of the things we're going to have to talk about, is we're going to have to address the officiating thing because I'm, I'm, I'm getting tired of, you know, waking up on Monday morning and hearing about the officiating, the officiating, and it's costing teams game games. And it's, you know, you, you go back to the Ram saints, NFC championship and you go to this game where you know you know there was a couple of calls I mean look I'm Chiefs all the way man there was just a couple of calls that that really just, went against uh, yeah. both Nikhil Harry he appeared to score by all counts and then Gilmore on the fumble recovery uh, off off the Kelsey fumble looked like he had a clear lane to the end zone there and was going to score so two major calls against the Patriots now, of course, it seems like the Patriots get every call. Including oh, sure they do. What goes AFC, around comes around, right. Jeff. So that's a great way to look at it, including mm-hmm. an AFC championship game. But, yeah, officiating is a story that won't go away, that, um, yeah. that has just, been problematic all year. And just and, being and got to fix it. Ob- objective about it, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's just, you know, just literally put your Chiefs hat aside, your fandom aside. It, it's 
I, I, here's what, here's what I started like doing some math and I started thinking about, I was reading an article uh, this week about the salary cap and how it's probably going to go up. You know, I think they said like 8 million next year and, and most teams based on their revenues, which are all around the same, most teams are going to be in the $200 million range, right? Salary cap. So you have teams each and every week putting out $200 million of salary out onto the field. Okay. And, and I'm terrible at math. So let's just do, do round numbers and, and divide it by 20 games, right? Mm-hmm. Playoffs, preseason or whatnot. And there's 20 games, 200 million, right? That's $10 million a week per team. So $20 million per game of salary out on the field, trying to give the fans the best show possible, right? You, you, you want, you want your team to win big. You want close games. Whatever you're, whatever you're into for football, you want it to be real. Whether you're a fantasy football player, uh, you know, fantasy football person, and you, you just want you know one individual person to do well. That is a lot of money out on the field, and you you, you compound that by the you know the hundreds of thousands of dollars are being spent on beverages and food and sweet tickets and parking, and you're talking about you know, $50 million a game is, you know, being generated, right? Mm-hmm. By either the salary the players that are out there and all this other stuff. And the NFL doesn't have full-time officials. Like I right. can't, it boggles my mind. It boggles my mind. And, and maybe more money needs to, with all that money, more money needs to go to the officials because another problem is all the turnover. You know, it's, Every um, channel, every station, when they're covering a game now, Mike Pereira started, they all have their own uh, referees. And it's a cushier job, you know, uh, who wouldn't want that job instead of being in the trenches on the field every day? And so maybe, like you said, you've got to make them full-time. You've got to pay the head of officials a little bit more so that we can improve this. You know, give them more incentive to to have a better – product out there make as far as the officiating yeah make it competitive put these guys through a combine right and ladies i know there are women that are yeah, coming into right, officiating right. which is awesome and to see that but the people that are getting into officiating make it competitive put them put them through a combine we put the players through a combine they run the 40 they bench press they're blocking each other they're throwing passes they're getting filmed they're getting physicals you know have the officials be you know a competitive environment where the the better you are the more money you make the better you get an agent and you know you can negotiate i mean seriously i mean i'm i'm not kidding i i i think if they just found a way to make it you know more competitive get the best officiate officials out there make it full time so that in the off season they're going around to, to camps and they're watching film and they're learning new rules and they're making it their job i can't i don't it boggles my mind that we have $200 million of salary cap per team, and we don't have full-time officials. I, I, you know, I, Roger Goodell, if you're listening, come on, you know, let's get, let's get it. Let's get it. And uh, I know for a fact that he is a loyal subscriber. So hopefully he received that. There you go. <laughs> you know, but I, I agree that the biggest problem, hate um, for, for football going forward is CTE and the head issues. They are trying to address that as much mm-hmm. as they can within the confines of the game with rule changes and look at helmets and there all sorts of the second biggest problem is officiating as far as affecting and it's really affecting the game I, you know it's really affecting the product out there it um, really is the, you know the other thing joe this funny we mentioned how what you mentioned what goes around come comes around so funny that these this game this win over the patriots when you compare it to 
the two games last year, it's really was flipped on its axis. The AFC championship game, you had the two questionable calls that went the Patriots way, the D Ford offsides, Edelman, whether her, whether he not, he, mm-hmm. he uh, touched the, the ball on the punt. Um, so this time the chiefs get the benefit for the call. And last year, both the games, um, the chiefs got out to such a slow start, um, 14, nothing. They were down at halftime in the AFC championship game in both games, the October game, the AFC championship game, they then scored 31 points in the second half, mm-hmm. both games. Incredible that they do that. And then this game, uh, in 2019, the complete opposite, the chiefs had 20 points, um, in the first half, they looked like they might blow out the Patriots. And then the second half, it was flipped, only yeah. scoring three points. And the Patriots kind of made a frantic comeback and were stopped uh, last kind of play of the game or last minute of the game. Yeah, I, you know, I agree with you wholeheartedly on that, Jeff. But you got to admit, the first eight minutes of the game were scary as all get out. Oh, man, yeah, yeah. I thought we were falling into that trap again where – it looked like the Raiders, right? Now, granted, right. the Raiders completely imploded, right? The turnovers, the penalties at all the wrong times. I That pick, you know, totally. I thought, pick. I thought it was going to be, like, not a close game after after that. Yeah. I and I was like, you know, oh, my gosh, there goes, you know, there goes the neighborhood. Because, you know, there was, there was uh, you know, so many um, errors and mistakes in that first half. And I thought, Oh no, it's, it's going downhill from here. And they, they turned it around obviously. And they, they, they put their foot on the gas and they, they stepped on the pedal, but man, I was really worried in that first eight minutes of the game. And, and, you know, Patrick Mahomes going in to Gillette stadium and, and becoming the youngest quarterback to ever beat Bill Belichick. And, and that wasn't like one out of two games. That was thir- 20. I think they were 20. He was 29 and 0 in quarterbacks uh, he just under, feasts on those young quarterbacks yeah he that, that really, yeah he it's does. really something and, and he um you know patrick was was amazing you know i know the stats aren't showing it but his leadership and his ability to make things happen you know is is really what what is you know is complimenting you know what they're doing we talked a little bit about i watched and saw a lot of the speed across the field and not just down the field coming from the receivers, which was great. The receiving core is really coming together. They're using Kelsey in, in every way imaginable. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I know that fans have to be, uh, if, you know, if you've been watching this team at all and you're watching this thing unfold, they've got to be worried about the running game. Uh, you know, if, if Patrick doesn't do what he does in that game, you know, I don't think um, – you know, I don't think we're going to be, you know, we don't have obviously some of the special teams things that, that are happening, right. block kick, you know. And, and especially it, that's a game, Joe, where, you know, Mahomes hurt his hand and they kind of, they want, they did, you mentioned more horizontal. They were going, you know, shorter routes. They were going, trying to get more running game going to, so, to not put so much on Mahomes who clearly had an injury. Yeah. I, yeah. It's it, the hand thing was, you know, that was scary. I just, I worry about this team if they don't have Patrick. I really do. I, I mean, I know that Matt Moore could come in and do the job. He's got a, the receivers are really coming together, right? They are really pulling it together. I, you know, like I said, what, what they keep doing with Travis, I think between, you know, Robinson and, 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 and Hardman and, and Tyreek and Watkins and the speed, the execution, they're really, really coming together. I just worry that, you know, number one, can Shady hold up, um, you know, Damien's questionable for the game, you know, Darwin's banged up. Like, 
I just worry about this team. If, if they lost Patrick, how big of a run they could really make. Um, I think that's got to be one of the investments that they make. Not to, not to make this about next season. We still got to get past the Broncos, and we got to really celebrate this win against the Patriots because, you know, you, you got to celebrate those things. And, and also with the win, they won the AFC West, which you got to celebrate. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, if they win out, um, I, you know, I'm, I'm not 100% sure. I heard some conflicting stats. If they, if they win out, they have a shot at getting the two seed and, and getting the, getting one of those buys. I think if, I think the something else has to happen. And I quite, I can't remember what it is, but I know they have a shot at, at getting that two seed, which it is, is possible. Well, Joe, let's talk about sleep. Listen to these studies from Harvard and Johns Hopkins. Chronic sleep deprivation has been shown to lead to depression, diabetes, obesity, and cardiovascular disease. We need eight hours of sleep. One of sleep's biggest problems, temperature. Tough to get good sleep if you're too hot. I want to tell you about the Pod by 8 Sleep. The Pod by 8 Sleep is a high-tech bed designed specifically to help you achieve optimal sleep fitness. It was developed by leading sleep researchers after tracking 43 million hours of sleep. Combines dynamic temperature regulation and sleep tracking to enhance your rest and recovery. It learns your sleep habits and adjusts the temperature automatically. That means if you like the bed cool, your partner likes the bed warm, now you can both at the same time. And that's in a crazy comfortable bed. Sleep longer and deeper so you wake up refreshed and ready to take on the world. Try the pod for 100 nights, and if you don't love it, we'll refund your purchase and arrange a free pickup. They already sold out of the first two batches, so they're going fast. For a limited time, get $150 off your purchase when you go to 8sleep.com slash pro. That's E-I-G-H-T sleep.com slash pro. 8sleep.com slash pro. Well, Joe, another fun game coming up here with the, uh, with the Broncos here. When we've got a hot Broncos team, they the Chiefs obviously – beat the Broncos earlier in the season on Thursday night football. That's when Mahomes uh, got hurt, but even without him, they handled him, mm-hmm. handled the Broncos, I should say pretty easily, but we've got a different, a different Broncos team with a different Broncos quarterback. The chiefs will be facing. Yeah. Kansas city, Kansas city native. How exciting is that? Right. I mean, that's uh, such know. a cool story. His, his father was played at Missouri was coached by Andy Reed. Uh, I mean, it's, it's just football. What, sometimes these small world, we talked about you and Andy Heck, the Chiefs offensive line coach, uh, being somewhat friendly because you guys both have triplets. Just these intersections right. of life is just, it's really cool. Yeah, it, it's going to be a great game no matter what. I, you know, the, the, the Broncos have so much going on. They looked so good against the Texans. Um, I, you know, I thought they, they had a great game plan. Um, the, the, the breakout game for me, I think the player – I think Chiefs fans should watch in this game is Noah Fant, the tight end, number 87. The rookie, um, yeah. Uh, he's a rookie. He's a big kid out of Iowa. You know, they, they utilized him very well in the game. He's, you know, he's a rookie who, you know, number one, when you're a tight end and you come into this league, you've got, you've got two playbooks, right? You've got the passing playbook. You've mm. got the running playbook. Uh, you know, you've got, you've got to be – you know, we used to call the tight ends the Argonauts because they did it all. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they've got to be – and this new new style of tight end play with these – you know, Noah's a six-foot-four, 250-pound tight end. Heaven knows, you probably – you know, they clock me on a calendar when I ran the 40. I'm sure they <laughs> clock him on a stopwatch. 
But, you know, he's a, he's a big kid who can get down the field. He, his blocking looks good. Um, you know, the, the Denver, you know, going back to our football outsiders reference again, Denver's line is, is, is what is playing well. If you look at them statistically from, you know, the types of uh, running plays, the yardage they get after, after first hit, uh, pass protection, they're ranked pretty high. They're ex- uh, short of the, when we sacked them nine times in the last game uh, that hopefully, you know, we can, can we continue on a, a path like that and, and get to uh, get to them again this week. But that um, I think he's a player that the, that the fans really need to watch and see how the, um, how the Broncos, util- how they utilize him in the game. You know, another uh, person along the line, you're talking about out fans, it's kind of, a little bit of a combo that Argonaut who has to block, but is also a great receiver. Um, a guy I'm curious for your take of Garrett Bowles offensive lineman on the Broncos. Their tackle was a high pick and he struggled a lot. He struggled a lot in that first game. He's committed a lot of penalties. You think that's a matchup that the chiefs can exploit. You think he's gotten a little better. You think that'll be a key in the game. Joe? I, I think it's going to be, that's going to be watching him against the, the, Texans in the last game, it's definitely going to be somebody that Coach Spagnuolo needs to take take advantage of. Um, it's definitely a weak spot on their line, um, you know, and that's just the kind of thing that you know Coach Spagnuolo does, right? He finds finds the weaknesses. He found it in the middle of of the of the offense for against the Patriots, and and he's they're going to have to you know put everything they can, throw some blitzes over there, start it early. Right when you get a when you get a player on the offensive line that is struggling like that, the best thing you can do as a defensive coordinator is start early. You know, even if you have to sacrifice a little bit of your, uh, for lack of better terms, your game plan, throw a blitz or two that way. Make him try to double, you know, double up on somebody and come off of another block. Get it, get it as confidence, because playing offensive line is a confidence position, and it, it's got to be shaky already after how he struggled this year. And you know how he struggled in that previous game. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, you know go, you 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 have flashbacks of of games like that, right? Where where there's you know nine sacks and the quarterback's constantly getting hit, and and it's it's demoralizing, right? Now you throw in the you couple that with the fact that we're at Arrowhead now and the noise. You know the the Broncos rivalry, you know. When I we we talked a lot about Raider Week, right? We we mm-hmm. really, you know, we really we made a big thing about about Raider Week, and and we talked a lot about how, um, you know, how, how awesome that that rivalry is. I got to be honest, Jeff, and I'm not just saying this because we're playing the Broncos, and I really want the fans to really focus in and and zero in on this game. But you know the um, the 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 Broncos during my tenure during the '90s really became I feel the rivalry of the AFC West and the rivalry of the Chiefs. I totally agree, and they because you know they've they've been the successful. I mean, once just during the Elway era and stuff, just the Broncos were a thorn in the Chiefs' side and your side. You know, yeah, they really were. I mean, I think back to that that game, and, and you know, one of my all time. My, well, not one of the all-time favorite football memory for me was scoring in that Monday night matchup between Elway and 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 Joe Montana. I mean, that was, you know, some sometimes it gets touted as like the second best Monday night football game in history, and to be a to have been a part of that, I mean, what a thrill that was to score a touchdown in the third quarter of that game, and then to go on and win that game. And it was Marty's, it was Coach Schottenheimer's first win. Uh, at at Mile High Stadium, 
uh, in, in even in his Browns career coach and then with the Chiefs. So, you know, it, um, it, it was amazing. I still, you know, think about it to this day. It brings back such great memories. Um, you know, it was, it was a crazy touchdown because it, it wasn't my typical tackle eligible standing flat footed in the end zone all by myself. I actually caught the ball over my shoulder because I was the fourth outlet. You know, Joe, Joe was looking to throw it either to Keith Cash or Kimball Anders coming out of the backfield. Derek Walker, our, our other tight end, was come, going across the back of the end zone, and he was shielded, he shielded the, uh, the referee who was in the back or one of the officials. So Joe got a little, you know, you can watch his progression if you look at it from the end zone shot, and he's kind of looking through. And he's like, oh, my God, now i got to throw it to the big, big guy out on the edge. <laughs> and he threw a perfect strike over my left shoulder into my hands. And then, I, and then I didn't know what to do, Jeff. I was out in space. I wasn't actually in the end zone. So I literally dove in from the four-yard line because <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't want to run it in because I wasn't sure what was going to happen if someone was going to hit me. So I just dove. And, you know, it was kind of funny thinking back. I could have just walked right in. But that just shows you that I didn't really have the field presence, right, because I wasn't, you know, I wasn't used to being out in space, especially holding the hot potato of the football. That's so but, cool, man. I mean, Montana versus LA, Monday night football, you're catching a touchdown. It doesn't get better than that. Yeah, yeah it was it's surreal. It's surreal. How did you celebrate? I don't know. Did you just spike it? What was mm, – how- I, I did the Nesty plunge. So <laughs> I couldn't help myself. I just – I was so my, – my body just took over, and I just did the Nesty plunge, and I kind of like rolled it back, and then I rolled right back up. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, Al Saunders, I'll never forget, he was, he was assistant head coach, and, and he was coaching the receivers at the time. And, uh, you know, he said, man, you, you can join my receiving – because I was coming off the sideline. He said, you can join my receiving core anytime, Joe, anytime. So uh, he, was, uh, he was very uh, inspirational and, and – you know, he was uh, very supportive of, of the big guy out there catching some touchdowns. That's such a cool moment. Well, it's also an exciting time for sports, Joe. Sophomore sensation Lamar Jackson is redefining what it means to be a dual-threat quarterback. Odds on Jackson to win the MVP race were at 50-1 to 1 to begin the season and have plummeted since, making my bookies' prop selection more attractive than ever. Then on the 14th, we have one of the most stacked UFC, UFC cards in a long time, Three championship fights, all highly anticipated, right in the betting capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada. Without a doubt, people are going to be looking to get in on the action, and we have the best place for you to go, my bookie. If you're the kind of guy who likes to bet a little to win a lot, try a parlay. For instance, if you like a couple of the big favorites this week, parlays are perfect because they let you bet multiple games together for a much bigger payout. My bookie has more lines and better odds for the player than any other sportsbook around. If you join right now, MyBookie will match your deposit halfway, all the way up to $1,000. That means if you deposit $2,000, you get an extra $1,000 in free money to play with. All you have to do is use our promo code BLV to activate the offer. Once again, that's promo code BLV to get your extra cash from MyBookie. Bet, win, get paid. Now, dude, that's such a cool memory. And for Chiefs fans, uh, going back to that Monday night football game, Broncos-Chiefs, I mean, that's, that's a game that all Chiefs fans of a certain age just cherish. Because like, like we said, the Broncos were always a thorn in our side, in, in the Chiefs fan side and Chiefs sides. Now it's kind of flipped the opposite. The Chiefs have had their number of late. How do you see this uh, current tilt, this one on Sunday, how do you see that going? Well, I th- look, number one, Pat, stay healthy, you know, 
continue with the game plan, I think put a lot of pressure on, on Drew Locke, put a lot of pressure on him, right? He's a rookie. He's going to be walking into Arrowhead. Every quarterback that ever gets interviewed tells you how electric it is in there. Uh, some can feed off of it. Some it intimidates. You know, I think they've, they've got to put all the pressure uh, they can on, on, on the offensive line. We talked about that matchup. We mm-hmm. got to make sure that, yeah. that, that, that Bowles is just, you know, we just throw everything at him. I think we put, get his confidence down early, get Drew Locke, chase him around, get him running around, make him make some mistakes. And, and I, you know, I think as long as the chiefs can, uh, you know, keep pad healthy, they can continue their game plan. I, th- I think I think the Chiefs win this one in a in a walk away. I, I think this could be a seventeen to twenty one point win um, at, at at the least. Um, if if they you know if they show up with the right mentality and, and if their equipment, well, I guess hopefully it's already <laughs> there, so it doesn't have to travel anywhere. Um, you know, and I wanted to just address that and give a shout out uh, to Alan Wright, who is the equipment manager. Uh, for the Chiefs. He's a dear friend. He's probably the only person short of Clark Hunt uh, that is still with the organization from when I start when I was wow. there. Isn't that wow. amazing? Like you that know, is the, crazy. It's crazy how the, the NFL teams they turn over, right? All the way from the front office to the coaching staff. You know, my God, you know, I when I retired after the ninety six season, you know, it's I know that's been a really long time, twenty three years. But um, you know, probably have turned over what general managers three, four, five mm-hmm. times, head coaches, multiple, you know, but owner's still there. And guess who else is still there? I mean, all the training staff, everybody's just, guess who's still there? Alan Wright, man. How, and how does he, that work? Talk, you know, Alan Wright, that's awesome that he's had that tenure. Um, how does that work, Joe? That did, Was that ever something you thought about the equipment or just, it just kind of showed up when you were at the, the game? How, how, take me through the process. Cause that is, so crazy. And then the other thing too, I think some people, when they first heard the equipment was missing, they're like, Oh, those Patriots, the you're nefarious right. Patriots, just I like know. Al Davis used to do in the, back yeah. in the day. Now there's another taping scandal, but talk about kind of the process of how the equipment uh, gets there. Uh, you know, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a, I mean, process is, is not even a strong enough word. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a huge undertaking, right. To get, you know, 53 players, equipment, you know, because remember, you don't, most teams don't go that early, right? I mean, uh, you know, teams are going a day or two days before, so they're still practicing, they still need all their equipment, and then you've got to, you know, they work overtime. I mean, they work double time nights through the night, Mm -hmm. you know, on those weekends to get, you know, a practice on a Friday, you know, to get a walkthrough on a Saturday, and then to get on a plane and get all that equipment there, you know, it's the logistics are are amazing uh, of how much equipment because you can't just bring each person's bag. You've got to bring extra, you know, so that if you lose anything, if somebody's equipment breaks, you got to have extras of shoes, shoulder pads, rib pads. I mean, you think about all the checklists that that they have. Um, and there's nobody better than Alan. He's he is literally, I, I think, the best equipment manager in the league. Not because of just what he does logistically and and how well uniformed. Uh, the Chiefs look, you know, to the to the to the to the eye, but all the things that he does promoting safety 
in working with the helmet companies and working with equipment companies to get the best equipment, uh, to get the cutting edge equipment to the players. Uh, he does a fantastic job. So something must have gone dearly wrong because in, you know, I started thinking about, you know, in the six years I played, you know, we'll just do round numbers, say 20, 20 games, 25 games, you know, a year with playoffs or whatever, you know, it was like a hundred and was probably involved in 130 games in my career. I don't ever remember that ever happening in a hundred, not even close. Um, the only thing I ever remember happening was that when um, they forgot to give me a locker once in my rookie year, we were playing the Browns. I was a game time decision uh, because I was hurt. Mm -hmm. And coach Schottenheimer said, look, we're going to, you know, we want you to go work out before the game. Uh, with the training staff and when you know when you come in after the the first team or first workout we'll decide whether we're going to put you on the active list or not I was having some back problems and so I came out after workout and you know trainer gave uh, Dave Kendall gave Marty the thumbs up and said coach he's good so Marty's like all right get dressed well I went to find my locker and there was no locker <laughs> and and I'm thinking oh they're pulling the rookie <laughs> that's you know, not a good thing. yeah right doing this to the rookie and 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 so I I so I started looking for my equipment. I went to, to Mike Davidson, who was, you know, Alan was still there. He was the assistant mm -hmm. equipment manager. And then Mike Davidson was head equipment manager. I said, hey, guys, I, I, I'm actually, I'm active. I'm going to play. I'm, my back is, is feeling good. Marty's going to let me dress. And um, they said, uh, oh, man, we thought you were going to be inactive. We, we didn't know because, you know, they had talked to the mm -hmm. trainer before. And they said it wasn't looking good. So they got all my equipment out of the back. And uh, they had no locker for me. And, and in Cleveland back then, the municipal stadium, all they had, all they had was um, these uh, these hooks on a wall mm -hmm. so I, and, a, and a stool. Like they tried <laughs> to make it really rustic there. So uh, Bill Maz, who was a defensive tackle, says, "Hey, rookie," he said, "Here, I'll get you a locker." So he took all of the sodas and Gatorade and waters out of a, of a Coke refrigerator. It was one of those open door uh -huh. you know, kind of large refrigerators, and he threw all my equipment in there, and he put a piece of tape on the top of the Coke refrigerator coca-cola refrigerator and said uh here's your locker rookie and he got a stool for me and put it in front and, and as i was getting dressed you know marty sees me coach schottenheimer sees me with the door open and the cold air is coming out of the refrigerator and i'm pulling my equipment out trying to get dressed and he goes oh man i don't know what we're going to do with these rookies um so, and that was and that was in the same game when i i lit my shoes on fire putting too close to the heater so it was not a good day for me i was hurt i had no locker uh, but but the equipment the equipment guys are amazing. I don't know I don't know how that happened, Jeff. I guess it was just an oversight of you know as they were getting stuff off. Someone probably said, "Did you get it? Did you get it?" And nobody got it. And Dude, that that is a great story. What a, what a crazy game for you from <laughs> beginning to the course of the game to the final whistle. Well, from lockers to just Drew Lock. Uh, you see what I did there. That was great. That was a great segue. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic, bud. I, I do really think, I mean, that's kind of the most interesting part of the game. You mentioned he, he's a Kansas City guy, went to Lee Summit North, went to Missouri. Oh, his, his father, who played for Andy Reid, his father is a restaurateur back in Kansas City, uh, owns three restaurants, Summit Bar and Grill in uh, Waldo, Lee Summit, and Gladstone. So it's, it's just and you said, how is he going to do? I'm sure his he's going to be his nerves are going to be on fire. Sure. I'm curious if he comes out maybe sailing a few passes that he's so pumped up to to play against the team he grew up rooting for. Oh yeah, that that's you know, and and not to make this about me is about Drew and his roots in Kansas City and 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 his great you know career there as, as scholastically. I think it's awesome. Um, 
I remember, I remember the first time that I saw the Eagles come out of the locker room, um, you know, growing up in Philadelphia, mm-hmm. being a huge Chief, or Eagles fan my whole life. Um, you know, John Bunning, who was, a, was one of the Eagles superstars back in the 80s when they went to the Super Bowl back then, used to quiz me every time I would walk past his office on, on, on the team uh, picture and ask me who the players were, and I never got one wrong. Uh, you know, when I saw those Eagles helmets in 1992, and, and, and Reggie White and, you know, Clyde Simmons. And, and oh, I saw those guys, Randall Cunningham, you know, I see them coming out of, of the locker room. I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm doing this. I felt like a little kid. I, I felt mm-hmm. like I was eight years old wearing my, you know, play, uh, you know, Eagles uniform, my Halloween uniform from, you know, Toys R Us. <laughs> right. and, 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 and I know that's how Drew's going to feel. He's going he's gonna to feel that. He's going he's gonna to come back. They're going to come in. Whatever the Broncos itinerary looks like, whether they come in, you know, on Friday or Saturday, you know, he's going to have a lot of people wanting to see him and talk to him. And with social media now and, and cell phones, which luckily, you know, I didn't have when I was playing. God, I don't know how these players handle all that <laughs> uh, with the texting and the text from friends and, and Facebook and, you know, Instagram. And it's, it's going to be – it's going to be wild uh, for him. And I know, cause I know what it was like. And that was playing the Eagles in Kansas city. I couldn't imagine if I would have, if we'd have been the Chiefs going into back then would have been veteran stadium. Um, I, I just would have, I, I don't know what I would have done. I, you know, I, I, I would have probably just melted uh, into the turf because that's, that's how you feel about this stuff. Right. That's it's, these, these are still, these are young men, you know, these are kids, so to speak. Uh, that that are dealing with these emotions, so I'm super excited for them, and I think it's great, and that that's the great part of sports. And and I'm I know that the Chiefs fans are going to be amazing to Drew Locke. You know, they that that's the way this organization is. This is this is the classiest organization in the entire NFL, and I know that you know the Hunt family, the coaches, the people of Kansas City are going to welcome him like he's a Chief, which is awesome. And 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 when we, when we beat the Broncos by, by three touchdowns and they, you know, everybody will shake his hand and he can go home, but I know they're going to welcome with, with open arms. Cause that's just the, that's just the way the place is. And we're going to recap that, that game, which Joe and I both think will go to the chiefs uh, next week. So if you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. We're available on your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google play, Stitcher, Luminary, and tune in. You can find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast. Tune in next week. Hiring is challenging, and it used to be hard. Multiple job sites, stacks of resumes, a confusing review process. But today, hiring can be easy, and you only have to go to one place to get it done. ZipRecruiter. In fact, go to ZipRecruiter.com slash begin. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, and they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you cannot miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. Right now, listeners here can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash begin. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash B-E-G-I-N. ZipRecruiter.com slash begin. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Thank you for listening to Believe. 
You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.